Focus. Focus. The tide is coming in. But we've just begun our picnic. We aren't done with our game. Collect your beach blankets and playthings while you can. For the tide waits. For no man. All right. Welcome back to our podcast. This is the early bowl preview slash coaching carousel review. This is Processing College Football, the college football podcast designed to educate and entertain. I'm Jason Randazzo. With me, as always, Mark Catlin. Every week we process the highlights of the college football world, and I make Mark explain everything I don't understand. Mark, explain something to me. How the heck are you? Oh, man. Uh, I'm doing great, man. It's uh, It's been a good week. You know, I got the Heisman Trophy prediction correct. You did. Uh, I did miss on the Army-Navy game. What if? But it's been a good week. I also did a little bit of research this week. The answer that, or a question I've been wondering about for a while. Yeah. So I've got, got some answers, so I'm feeling good. All right. So that's that's the term or, I don't know, general concept that we're going to define here at the top of the show because nobody understands it, at least of all me. And that's what you're going to explain to me. So we're going to talk about how to talk about quarterbacks. So apparently there's like a bevy <laughs> Of ways to rate quarterbacks. There's QBR, uh, passer rating. There's other ones too, and they're calculated all different ways. So y- you you've done some research, as I understand it. Oh yes, I, yes I have. All right, so lay it on me in so, a way that I can understand. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, we could get into a lot of details, but so the three. Not interested. <laughs> so anyway, let's move on to the bowl game. Um, so the, the three main ways that uh, quarterbacks are rated uh, are passer rating, that has a formula the NFL uses, uh, passer rating that the college level has a different formula that they use, and then QBR, uh, total quarterback rating or just quarterback rating. And so looking at these, uh, they each are measured by... Um, different things. They each have different highs and lows that you can get. Um, but the the main difference is actually between the QBR and then the two passer ratings used for the NFL and NCAA. So the NFL uh, and the NCAA passer rating uh, that they use to measure quarterbacks include the same statistics. So they're going to include like completions, uh, yards, touchdowns thrown for, and interceptions are going to all be in this uh, calculation. The difference in the numbers comes from kind of what you multiply those things by. So um, in the NCAA formula, for example, number of passing yards is multiplied by 8.4, mm-hmm. whereas yards per attempt in the NFL rating, you subtract 3, and then you multiply by 0. 0.25. Now, Do those come want, from anywhere, or somebody's I, just I, like, you know what, these numbers will look better if we just <laughs> multiplied or divided them by random numbers. Now, uh, you know, the interesting thing is they do sound random, but if you work with it all, there is a logic behind it. I don't want to get into that, but I okay. think uh, I'm on the verge of discovering the logic, but I think is actually pretty interesting. At first, I was like, this just all seems totally random, but... I'm on the verge of uncovering, uh, unlocking the secrets to the universe here. I, I when we started the Skype call, it started on video, and I saw it like on the wall behind you. There was a lot of like <laughs> just scribbles and newspaper Mag- clippings, magazine articles. Yeah, 
<laughs> and then red red yarn attached everywhere. To the oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I'm I'm this close, you know. I'm so close to unlocking the secrets of the universe. But they, so they do all that. Now the different numbers come from different coefficients. The other thing is um, with the NFL passer rating, they kind of cap what you're able to do. So uh, a perfect passer rating in the NFL is 158.3. But here's what you could do to have a perfect passer rating if you if you completed 77.5% of your throws, had 12.5 yards per attempt, and like one touchdown for every eight and a half attempts, and no interceptions, you could have a perfect passer rating. Wait, so so if somebody did that, uh, and then somebody else completed 100% of their passes... For the 14 number. touchdowns and whatever, yeah. they would have the same number. And it's because they end up capping... Uh, how high of a score you can get within each um, each computation. So completions per attempt, no matter how high that percentage is or whatever, when you multiply by five, it's going to be capped at a particular number. Uh, and so that's why you can have a perfect passer rating with only completing about 80% of your passes, no interceptions, certain yards per attempt, all that kind of stuff. So of course, there- how often does anybody who regularly throws the fo- throw the football get anywhere near 80% completion. Well, there have been some quarterbacks who have uh, had a perfect passer rating. So it's not often that it happens, but quarterbacks have done it. Um, But the NCAA has a slightly different format, and there's no cap either negative or positive on it. In in the NFL, there's also a a cap on how low you can go, which is zero. Um, And so it's feasible for actually somebody to have uh, a zero passer rating in a game. If you only per, only complete thirty percent of your passes, three yards attempt, no touchdowns, and an interception every ten to eleven attempts, then you actually come out with a zero passer rating. Okay. Um, but in the in the NCAA, you there's no cap either negative or positive, and so um, your you can have a high passer rating. Of 1,261.6. Now, that's only if every attempt that you make is a 99-yard completion for a touchdown. (laughs) (laughs) Which is impossible. There are quarterbacks who have done it. (laughs) In, like, you know, a mad game or something, I'm sure. Sure. And then there's a lower limit of negative 731.6. Every... (laughs) Where you complete every pass... But it results in a 99-yard loss instead of a 99-yard completion for a touchdown. Wait. Um, Wait. So if, if you were on the one-yard line, uh-huh. every pass you threw, you were on the opposing one-yard line. <laughs> and it was or like one-inch line or something, and they, they intercepted and ran it back for 99 yards. That's how you'd get that. Um, uh, it seems like you shouldn't get a negative you know, rating for that. You should just get a positive rating for the other team. <laughs> Which is kind of the same thing, right? Sure. So you got a positive seven hundred thirty-one point six for the other team. Maybe is what I think about. It. Really, maybe you should get a you know a positive one thousand two hundred sixty-one point six for the other team. But yeah. so the difference in the formula is you know, kind of you know the what they multiply and divide by and all those sort of things. But the same things go into it: yards, touchdowns, completions, interceptions per attempt, basically. So, and then they do different things with that. Now, what you'll notice is in both those forms, the similarities is it's the same stuff, and there's no um, running involved, right? So, rush yards are not used in the passer rating formula. 
uh, either rushing attempts, that how many sense. yards, whatever. So, but that doesn't, especially more recently, that doesn't then include everything that the quarterback does to affect the game. How effective is a quarterback? So a running ability can make a quarterback very effective. Uh, Alabama knows this. That's one of the things they've struggled with is mobile quarterbacks who can get out and run. Deshaun Watson, Johnny Menzel, etc. So maybe Kyler the, Murray. The cute may Kyler Murray, who's run for almost 900 yards this year. But in his passer rating, that would not be part of his uh, passer rating, which makes sense, and that's sure. part of the reason it's called a passer rating, right? So the QBR, however, takes that into account. The other thing the QBR tries to take into account is um, when these things happen in a game. How much effect does your pass have in a game? How far did you have to throw the ball, and how far did your receiver run? So if you throw you know, one of those little jet sweep things and you throw it a half inch in front of you, the guy catches it and runs for 75 yards – I mean, was it a should your passer rating reflect a pass for seventy five yards? Uh, I don't know, but maybe in some sense. But should it affect it in the same way that you have to throw a ball forty five yards downfield toward the sideline, put it in a perfect spot, and stride for your quarterback or for your wide receiver to get it? They evaluate that differently in terms of how well the quarterback has performed. Now, here's the thing: so situational stuff's taken into account. How? <clears throat> Far the the ball goes in the air, um, an interception may not be counted against the quarterback as much if the ball is tipped or dropped by a wide receiver and then it's intercepted. But they throw a good throw a good ball, so QBR tries to take all that into account. The problem is it's very subjective, and there's a formula to it. But this stat was created by ESPN, and the formula is proprietary, so nobody has any idea what the formula. What? Is. Yeah. So what's the use of a formula that people don't actually realize what it's like specifically measuring? Uh well they they talk about it, they explain it in words what they do, but there's I feel like there's a lot of mythology about the QBR. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it, it's out of 100 there's some massive formula, but nobody knows what the formula is. They know what it includes, but they don't know the numbers that go into it or the code or whatever they use. So anyway, and there have been um, people have different opinions on what's better and what's worse. I think the key is for whatever you're looking at to be able to identify, okay, this system is being used. So if you're talking about uh, the passer rating for an NFL quarterback, then you need to know it's out of 158.3. So if they have a QB rating of 100, right, that's – or a pass rating of 100, that's not the same as a QBR of 100. So I think the most important thing is to know what scale you're working with. And so when you're looking at, when you're comparing Tua and Kyler, and they each have a passer rating of over 200, one, you should know those are the two highest passer ratings in the history of college football. Oh. Uh, two, you should know, yeah, they haven't broken the scale by being over 158.3. Technically, they could have as high as something over 1,000. Right. I mean, nobody does. These are the two highest. And then you can see it relative to other college quarterbacks and their passer rating. The previous high was actually Baker Mayfield last year at like 198. And then if you're, and so if you see somebody, but if you see somebody has a, a rating, whatever it might be, of 94, it's really important to know, okay, what scale am I working with here? 
Am I working with the NFL passer rating? Am I working with uh, college passer rating? Or am I working with QBR? Because Kyler and Tua actually also had the highest ever QBR uh, at 96 and 94. Kyler at 96, Tua at 94. And so, anyway, knowing what scale you're working with and what it's out of, I think, is the most significant thing. So that when you're looking at these different stats, you know, okay, is this good or is this bad? And how good and how bad is it? Mm. Fair. All right. Well, thank you for explaining that. Um, it's clear as mud, but uh, <laughs> you're welcome. But I, I mean, that's no fault of yours. I blame ESPN. Um, okay, good to know. But let's move on because we got lots of things to talk about. In the meantime, if you have questions you want us to answer, topics you want us to discuss, or terms you want us to define, send them in on Twitter at processingcfb or email us processingcollegefootball@gmail.com. Mark, we only have one game to review this week. It is the Army-Navy game. Army was a seven-point favorite. And to me, it just illustrates how disciplined those Army guys are that they covered or – no, wait. It was a push. They beat beat Navy by seven points. Final score was 17 to 10. Army – they knew their mission. They accomplished it. They accomplished it. They did not show off. You know, <laughs> they did not humiliate their opponents. Mm-mm. They just did the job and they, they left. So sure. I didn't watch this game, I'll be honest. It was kind of in the middle of the afternoon. Um, I, I checked in on the score periodically. I mean, I watched a good bit of it. It was, I mean, it was kind of a brutal game to watch in terms of, man, Navy's offense just could not get going. Their, their scoring all happened late. Um, and yet, it matched Washington's in the in the Pac-12 championship <laughs> game. That game was far more brutal to watch. You know, <laughs> the other thing that was interesting is Navy started passing a lot more at the end, and they started. There were a lot of modif- modifications to the triple option. That was the most intriguing thing toward the end of the game. Was they put in a quarterback that was a little bit better passer, um, and to watch kind of how they were running their pass plays from the same triple option setup. So they didn't go five wide receivers or anything. You had a lot of the same motion and he would back up and pass. That was by far the most intriguing thing about the game. Um, But yeah, uh, kudos to Army. Uh, Way to go. You'll lose next year and everything will be right with the world. Yeah, well, I mean, Army has now won three straight, right? After mostly having this rivalry in recent years be pretty lopsided in in favor of Navy. Oh, heavily lopsided in favor of Navy, yeah. Um, Yeah, so... I think this is the first time there's a Commander-in-Chief trophy, which is between Navy, Army, and the Air Force. I think it's the first time in a while Army has won the Commander-in-Chief trophy uh, in back-to-back years. So they're, uh, they're on a good little run here. All right. Well, congrats to them. Is Air Force ever competitive? Uh, you know, I mean, historically speaking, no. Navy and Army have been powerhouses, and back back in the day, they were, you know, regularly ranked uh, top five. Um, yeah, I seem to recall not that many years ago, they couldn't release. I don't know playoff rankings, or maybe or or big bowl games because Navy was going to occupy a pretty high up spot and they had to wait for this game to, to be over with. Um, but that was not a concern here. No, no. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Air Force will jump up and they'll get them every now and then, but it's definitely a, a Navy and Army show. All right. So that's uh, our week 15 or whatever uh, games. 
let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about the the Heisman Trophy here. So uh, I misstated it last week. So the the finalists, it only came down to three. I thought that they always picked five, but I was mistaken. Um, so the the three finalists who came to New York were Tua, uh, Tua Tangavailoa, Kyler Murray, and Dwayne Haskins. So Tua of Alabama, Kyler Murray of uh, Oklahoma, and Dwayne Haskins of Ohio State. So uh, you had predicted that Kyler Murray would win. I'm not even sure if I predicted anything. I, I think I talked about thinking Kyler Murray was probably going to win, uh, but maybe Tua had a chance because the votes were some of the votes might have gone in before the, the SEC championship, but uh, Kyler Murray did end up winning this in the closest voting uh, in the history of the Heisman Trophy uh, over Tua. Um, but uh, to be fair, all three uh, were very deserving uh, of consideration, and I, I don't even know that I would have been that surprised, frankly, if Dwayne Haskins had won. Um, he had a very good year, uh, but, uh, yeah, closest voting ever. And, uh, to his teammates, uh, a lot of the Alabama Crimson Tide has basically seen this as a tremendous injustice and they basically get to avenge this injustice in the first round of the college football playoff. So, uh, oh, yeah. Alabama sometimes maybe struggles to find, uh, motivation in adversity. And yet here it is, uh, Served think, up on a platter. I think this ends up being maybe the best setup for Alabama, honestly. Um, not only so do you not uh, – well, one, I think Kyler should have won. I think it's the right call. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, like you said, how do you find motivation in a game like this? Well, not only did your quarterback not win it, and so you want to show that he's worthy of it, but also then the guy that you're playing, he did win it. And so you want to show that he's um, not as good as he – as everybody thinks he is. So the defense definitely has some motivation uh, to stop Kyler Murray. The offense has some motivation to make Tua look good. So there's definitely, I mean, you got to find anything, right, to motivate um, a team like Alabama to get up for this game when you're, I don't know what the line is now. It opened, they opened at a two-touchdown favorite. So, you know, when you got something like that, there's a lot of motivation on the Oklahoma side. So now it's a little, I don't know if you call it an underdog mentality, but definitely maybe a revenge factor or something like that for losing the Heisman. So, hey, cling to that. Use it um, for motivation uh, and preparation. I'm sure uh, they will. So um, congrats to Kyler. Uh, then yeah, good luck in that playoff game. Here's what I want to ask about this is if you're Baker Mayfield, how pissed off are you? I mean, <laughs> not only does uh, like so you win the, the the Heisman one year, okay? But the next year, not only does uh, uh, a quarterback from your same college win the Heisman, but in a lot of objective measures he's actually a better quarterback than you are and to make matters worse if he goes into the nfl draft the cleveland browns don't need a quarterback because you're already there everything just looks so much he, better he ends up on a better team is that what you're saying yeah yeah well and here's the you know the kicker is he may not even play in the nfl because he right. might go play in the major league baseball hey thanks for the husband i am better than you i'm gonna go play baseball now well, I yeah. heard that he 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 would like to play uh, in in the NFL, but if he 
basically didn't go play for the athletics, he would have to repay some portion of that $5 million that he was guaranteed, which I don't understand how that even works. Um, I mean, I think I mean, it would be interesting to see him try to play both. We haven't had a... I would love to uh, see uh, a two two sport guy in a while. I mean, the guys that come to mind, Bo Jackson was an incredible athlete. Uh, unfortunately, his career was ended by yeah, injury. Yeah, by playing too football, early. frankly. So Kyler Murray. It was. Yeah. Uh, since I know you're listening. Just just take the the baseball money. But then there was there was also Deion Sanders. You know, not heard of him. Not, yeah. Uh, not quite the the phenomenon that Bo Jackson was, but he played for the Falcons and for the Braves. I heard something about him taking a helicopter from one game to another. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a thirty for thirty that's uh, that's going to be on pretty soon about this. Which, by the way, this is totally off topic. Did you see the forty-two to one, thirty for thirty about Mike Tyson and Buster Douglas? No. Oh gosh. Okay. Never mind. Keep going. Right. We'll talk about that. In so our yeah, Kyler Murray, podcast. great, podcast. awesome. <laughs> which will be tomorrow. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. So I don't have a whole lot to say. I'm sorry, Baker Mayfield. Um, yeah, Baker, you were good. Just not very good. <laughs> like you just, uh, I, if I were him, I would have expected to be able to go back to Oklahoma for years and be like the legend. I mean, I know they have a lot of like Heisman winners that come out of there. Um, but just, you know, give me a couple years. Yeah. Just to enjoy it. Hey, look, there's, what was that guy's name? Kyle? No, they, I don't he's know. not Kyler. Kyler's that good one. Well, the, I mean, and they have like seven Heisman Trophy winners, so it's not like yeah. who's yeah, he's the guy who won the Heisman. Which guy which one was he? Yeah, <laughs> they didn't even finish making his statue. That's funny. Um, all right, let's talk some some early bowl previews. How about we? Let's do it. All right, so the first game we're going to talk about is the New Mexico Bowl, properly referred to as the New Mexico Bowl presented by Progressive. Uh, this is between Conference USA, I don't know, third place team, North Texas, versus Utah State, Saturday, December 15th at 2 p.m. on ESPN. Who do you think comes out of this one with the W? I don't even know what the spread is. I'm just picking winners here. <laughs> well, I think uh, later in our coaching carousel, we're going to talk about Utah State. Yeah, Utah State. State's coach is gone. Yeah. So, if, especially, I mean, I get doubt he's coaching in this game. Uh, North Texas is a good football team. Utah State had a good season. But I'm going to go uh, North Texas wins it uh, 31-24. Yeah. Uh, that North Texas team's coached by Seth Luttrell, who's an excellent coach. I mean, he's not Bill Clark good. He definitely doesn't have... <laughs> Uh, two back-to-back CBS Coach of the Year awards under his belt. Um, but uh, he's pretty good. So I'm going to go North Texas as well. So then good. let's talk about the AutoNation Cure Bowl. AutoNation sponsoring this Cure Bowl Saturday, December 15th at 2.30 p.m. So I know we have a lot of uh, people who are North Texas fans. Um who married Tulane fans, and you're just going to have to go back and forth between these two games. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> it's just something that North Texas fans do, is married Tulane fans. Um, it so it's, it's a well-known fact. It's a little documented. Louisiana Lafayette versus Tulane. Um, I, I don't know. 
What's your read on this one? I'm going to pick Tulane just because I like their mascot better. Uh, yeah, I am uh, definitely going with uh, Louisiana Lafayette, the Ragin' Cajuns, if you will. Uh, reason being, uh, they played Alabama a tough game and losing 56-14. to 14. And that's all I got. All right. Let's move on to the Vegas Bowl or the Mitsubishi Motors Vegas Bowl or Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, Arizona State, Herm Edwards, powerhouse of a team, playing against Fresno State, 330 game on the 15th on ABC. I don't know. Does Herm do it? Does Herm keep the success going into the postseason and just humiliate Fresno State? I say no. It's quite a build-up there. Yeah, Fresno State's a good football team. 11-2, ranked number 21 in the country. Uh, but you never know about the fighting Herm Edwards. Um, they they come out and they'll, uh, they'll surprise you. Um, cause, in a lot of uh, ways. As we all know, you play to win the game. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Fresno's favored by five. I'm going to go uh, with Fresno. Yeah. wins and they cover they win by a couple of touchdowns i'm going to go 31 17 oh you're picking scores i'm not doing that uh, right. just every now and then i didn't have one for the raging cajuns and tulane uh because well it's the raging cajuns and tulane so agreed all right now we have to talk about our home state of raycom media camellia bowl <laughs> Uh, this is played in Montgomery, Alabama, um, but uh, we just like to call it Montgomery Raycom <laughs> Media. Uh, this is EMU versus Georgia Southern. EMU, I'm guessing Eastern Mis- Michigan? Yeah. All right, and Georgia Southern, one of the uh, last bastions of the triple option. Uh I'm going to pick Georgia Southern to win this one. You know, it's a uh, it's kind of a home field advantage for them playing in the southeast. So that's probably what's going to do it. Yeah, uh, I mean Georgia Southern had a good year. Um, they're it's like they're favored by three. Um, I'll go with them, but they don't cover. Mm. They end up winning twenty four to twenty three. Closer than the experts think. Yeah. Well, we're we're the experts, so. Oh, right. <laughs> so exactly what the experts think. <laughs> All right, then we have the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl, maybe also pronounced as R plus L Carriers. <laughs> I hope <laughs> it's it's definitely RNL. I, I think it's R plus L, but uh, agree <laughs> to <probably>. disagree. <laughs> Maybe right. that's what we can explain next week. <laughs> All right. This is App State versus Middle Tennessee State University. Middle Tennessee is still licking their wounds from the hideous defeat they suffered at the hands of the UAB Blazers. Um, uh, on top of that, App State's just a good team. Although, did they also lose their coach? Uh, yes, they did. Game. Yeah, they lost their coach. And I don't know if he's coaching in this game, but even still, the players are probably just heartbroken. Um, 
All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Middle Tennessee to win this one. Yeah, uh, Louisville hired their coach. Oof. Terrible move, Stan Boone. Um, you picking App State? No, I'm picking Middle Tennessee. Oh, well. I'll, I'll go App State just to be contrarian. Yeah, and, you do uh, that. I think you know, uh, coaches mean means coach means a lot, but. Um, I'm going to go with App State. Good season. I think Middle Tennessee is still reeling from not winning the championship and losing it on their home turf to the yeah. UAB Blazers, to the coach of the year. Uh, so there's really nowhere to go for them. They're just going to fold and lose big. So, uh, I mean, semi-big, I guess. I'm going to go 38-10. to 10. Wow. Appalachian State wins. All right, then we have the game of the postseason. Everybody's looking forward to the Cherubundi Boca Raton Bowl, uh, featuring two powerhouses of of college football <coughs> with tradition dating back many ones of years. Uh, we have Northern Illinois University playing against the UAB Blazers, your UAB Blazers. Um, this is on Tuesday because all good college football games happen on Tuesday night. Tuesday, December 18th at 7 p.m. on ESPN. UAB is obviously going to win this one. Uh, you, you try to find parity with UAB, and it's a fool's errand. You're never going to do it. Um, UAB is going to crush them. Um, but, you know, they're not above putting up, putting on a show, I'll say. So UAB wins this one, I don't know, 400 to 3. That's a good show. Uh, roughly. So you're saying they cover? Y- yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. They're favored by 2.5. Yeah, the 2.5 spread, barely. Which, Just... uh, I mean, I talked to the line makers, and he's like, I-, I thought it would be a funny joke. And I was like, that is hysterical. <laughs> Good it's, one. Good story. <laughs> good uh, one, Vito. The, uh, yeah, I'll go with the Blazers. Um, man, this would be an incredible kind of cap to the season here to finish it off. And go 11-3? and three? Yeah. That would be nuts. So definitely cheering for this one. I think they're riding high. Um, they did not lose their coach, which is a good thing. <laughs> no. um, Signed him to an extension, which I realize... Uh, well, it, it means he'll be coaching next year. So, so I think the Blazers' defense shut down uh, the NIU Huskies, and I think they end up winning something like thirty-one to seven. It's a big one. All right. I like that. So here's what I will say about NIU. Uh, let's just take a look at their schedule. So they lost. To, they they actually played a lot of Power 5 teams. Their losses are to Iowa, Utah. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to skip that one for now. Um, let's see. Uh, Iowa, Utah. Actually, all their losses are to Power 5 teams. One of their losses is to Florida State. So um, they did beat BYU, who I think is unaffiliated, uh, by a point. Seven to six, um, but I don't know. Then they also lost to Miami of Ohio and Western Michigan. No, they beat Miami of Ohio, twenty-four twenty-one. 
And Miami of Ohio, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, crushed UAB in the postseason last year. Um, but uh, Miami of Ohio was, uh, you know, that was kind of like, I don't know, the game that they were building up to. And UAB was looking forward to 2018, obviously. So it didn't count. Lost dismissed. Hold on. What are you looking at? Am I looking at the wrong year? I don't think so. They lost to Iowa Utah to start the season. They beat yep. Central Michigan. Mm-hmm. They lost to Florida State. Yeah. And they beat Eastern Michigan, Ball State, Ohio, BYU, Akron, Toledo. Yeah, they beat Ohio. Miami of Ohio. Yeah. No, no. They lost to Miami of Ohio. 13 no. to 7. I see, see 24 21. Right, 24 21 is the Ohio Bobcats. Oh. Then down later is Miami of Ohio. Mark, I want you to process the different Ohio teams. <laughs> okay. Next well, week. Okay. Got it. I mean, you You're can right. delete all that. I just wanted to make no, sure. No, I'm, I'm leaving it in. They uh, were. I'm they not were, embarrassed. I don't care. I don't care. I ain't care. I ain't scared. All right. Right, you yeah. are. So they go, yeah. The so the takeaway that, here really is that they're going to lose another game. <laughs> they were, they were on their way to a pretty incredible season, actually. And then they lost to Miami of Ohio and Western Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Still rowing that boat. <laughs> All right. Some Broncos. Uh, let's talk about Miami of Ohio. Uh, not playing in the DXL Frisco Bowl. It's actually just Ohio. Yeah, uh, that's true. Versus San Diego State. Mm. This is Wednesday, December 19th on 8 p.m. on ESPN. Who do you have winning this one? Uh, You know, since we just talked about them, I'll go with the Bobcats. Yeah, might as well. Might as well, right? Give Ohio a little love. All right, so we agree on on that one. And then, uh, greatest bowl of all time, the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa, Florida. Exactly where you'd expect the Gasparilla Bad Boy Mowers Bowl to be. This is a Thursday, December 20th, 8 p.m. game on ESPN versus Marshall or, I'm sorry, Marshall versus USF. Mm-hmm. So USF playing very close to home. If there's any home field advantage to playing in the Bad Boy Mowers Bowl, <laughs> they have it. Uh, they have it. But they're going to lose. I, like They started off pretty well. They just kind of tanked the last half of the season. But so. didn't their quarterback get injured, have a shoulder injury or something? I think yeah. he did. Uh, their quarterback was Blake Barnett, who was at Alabama and then transferred when Jalen Hurts won the job yeah. over him. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So they're just they're they're kind of limping into a bowl. I'm gonna go Marshall. Sure. Um, I'm gonna guess USF. All right, let's have that one. Because even with Blake Barnett, they didn't look great. But anyway, all right. Yeah, on it was to... down year from last year. At this point. All right. Then let's move on to the Makers Wanted Bahamas Bowl. Do you know what Makers Wanted is? Uh, no. It's like an industrial park 
in Illinois. Hey, man. They are sponsoring a bowl game in the Bahamas. <laughs> where all of, I guess, their their potential industrial manufacturing demographic is. I don't know. Whatever. Good for them. All right, so Makers Wanted Bowl, FIU versus Toledo. Who do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with Toledo. I think it's going to be a close one. I think it's going to be pretty high scoring. So I'm going to go Toledo uh, 41-38. I see what you're doing. You're just picking all of the Ohio teams to really just rub it in my face that I (laughs) did not know the difference between Miami of Ohio (laughs) and the Ohio Hey, Jason, I'm picking another Ohio team. Which one is it? (laughs) I don't know. They all look the same to me. All right. I'm going to pick FIU because they are a Conference USA team, and I, I would like to have some conference pride. Uh, you're yeah. going to pick Toledo. That's no. fine. <laughs> I don't hold it against you. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to pick Miami, Ohio, to win that one. <laughs> Not the Bobcats? <laughs> Whatever. Same thing. All right. Then we have the... Famous Idaho Potato Bowl. I just like the idea of a potato bowl. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. We have <laughs> BYU playing against Western Michigan Friday, December 21st. 21st? 21st at 4 p.m. on ESPN. Who do you have? Oh, man. Oh, either one of these teams in Ohio? Yeah. Um, they're not. Uh, uh, heck, BYU might even Western Michigan could be in Ohio. I, I don't know. Western Michigan's a town in Ohio. I think <laughs> right. it's actually in Eastern Ohio, which uh, is really confusing. Yeah, it'll throw you off, but you never know. It's like Miami. Where is that? Florida? Don't think so. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I literally have no idea about this game, but it looks like BYU is favored by 13. So uh, I'm going to go with if the... We're just uh, picking winners. The, the fighting Mormons there. You might as well. Plus, it's in Idaho. So, it, it, again, if there's a home field advantage, they probably have it. Oh, for sure. All right, so that's all of the early bowl games that we're going to preview. So next week when we sit down to review games, some of these will actually still be happening after uh, our recording. Uh, But uh, I wanted to do a Saturday through the next Friday um, just because there's no real good way to to do this. So that's what we're doing. Uh, All right, but before we go, I want to talk about a little bit of coaching carousel news. So last year we had a very active coaching carousel. A lot of big teams, particularly big SEC teams, about half the SEC teams uh, had coaching turnover. Um, Not so much power five turnover this year, but we got some. Namely, we didn't talk about last week. We bit our tongues um, and uh, we, we sat on it excitedly. Uh, like children under the tree uh, waiting to open their presents. Urban Meyer is out at Ohio State. See ya. I know that comes as a shock to all of our fans who only get their college football news from us. So Urban Meyer has retired, I think, again. 
mm-hmm. and Ohio State has decided to promote from within Ryan Day, who coached the first three games of the season uh, and was their co-offensive coordinator slash quarterback coach. So I saw somebody had manufactured T-shirts which said, it's a new day, um, which I don't know. Oh, brilliant. That It's not particularly clever, but for some yeah. reason it just seemed uh, uh, like a, a weird thing to to put on a T-shirt, especially since Ohio State, it's not like they've been bad. Yeah, they've been terrible the past couple of years. <laughs> it's a new day. All right. So uh, here we are. I don't have any thoughts about this in particular. I think it's a fine enough hire. I don't know that you're going to get another coach right out of the the gate uh, of Urban Meyer's caliber. Um, but uh, I think Ryan Day will probably serve them well for at least a couple years. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. You know, Urban's going to retire, allegedly. He'll at least go away for a couple of years and then reappear somewhere else. Sure. Um, similar to what he did at Florida. So we'll see what happens. But hopefully he's, you know, healthy and okay and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, he'll be on the Alabama sidelines before long. <laughs> probably. He'll be an intern. An intern. <laughs> <laughs> he has a lot to learn from Nick Saban, I think. He, he really does, you know. <laughs> all right. Then let's move on. We have Georgia Tech. Paul Johnson retiring. Uh, after an illustrious career there, and they have poached Jeff Collins from Temple. So this all but spells the end for uh, the triple option in Power 5 football programs. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Wish him well in his retirement. Jeff Collins uh, is hoping to, I don't know, revitalize Georgia Tech into... uh, I don't know. He he was saying something about making it like an elite program for the city of Atlanta. Um, so good luck to him there. It's a big city, and uh, well, it's a he, soccer city now. So right, right. World champions. You better believe it. <laughs> um, all right. Then we have Kansas. We talked a little bit about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, firing David Beatty. Uh, and picking Les Miles up from Fansville. Uh, we'll see how he does there. Kansas State also looking for a new coach after Bill Snyder retired. I think also this is not his first retirement. And they pick no. up uh, Chris Kleinman from North Dakota State University, uh, which is an FCS school. But he is, as I understand it, the Nick Saban or better of the FCS, North Dakota whoa, whoa. State has won just a ton of championships under his leadership. So yeah, yeah. Uh, this is probably a, a good hire for them, I think. And, and then this is not a power five team, but we still have to talk about it. We, we have Liberty, Liberty university. Yeah. Uh, Turner Gill was their football coach. Never heard of them retired. And <laughs> they hired Hugh freeze. Of the notes I have, uh, <laughs> he's coming from his personal shame spiral. So, Hugh Freeze, uh, as we may or may not need to tell people out there, last coached at Ole Miss uh, and was fired for, well, it, it's shocking that he wasn't fired for, I guess, numerous reported NCAA vi- like recruiting violations, uh, but he was fired for 
making a call to an escort phone number on a work cell phone. <laughs> um, so not the best. Not best. And he's going to hire. He's going to be coaching at Liberty University, um, a religious, a Christian institution. Um, but in his, I don't know, welcome speech or something, he commented on how Jesus was the only one who could handle his junk, which word choice, Hugh, just come on, buddy. Shapers. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a thing. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, everything that happened to Ole Miss was, it was a, it was terrible and all that stuff. I mean, I don't know what he's been doing. I don't know if he's actually come back or not. I mean, heck, from a football perspective, I mean, the guy seemingly had Saban's number, right at Ole Miss. And so as far as a football mind, Liberty Liberty gets one of, one of the better offensive minds. But um, we'll see, you know, how that ends up character-wise at a place like Liberty. Um, so it's definitely an interesting move. And Hugh Freeze just think about what you say before you say it. <laughs> run it by somebody. Yeah, just I mean, just anybody. You know, it's actually interesting because Liberty University, do you know what conference they're in? I have no idea. Uh, yeah, that, They're playing a lot of like Power 5 schools themselves next year. They have Syracuse that uh, they play. They're also playing Rutgers, uh, another Power 5 powerhouse, uh, BYU, and, uh, and Virginia. Uh, an in-state rival, as I understand it. Um, so he he really has an opportunity right here in the first year to to make a statement, um, uh, and hopefully the statement is not about his junk. Um, moving on, we have Louisville f- firing Bobby Petrino. Good job, guys, uh, and hiring Scott Satterfield from App State. Uh, probably a pretty good hire there, I think. And then we have Maryland uh, hiring, then firing DJ Durkin, and hiring Mike Loxley from Alabama. He is their offensive coordinator. And uh, I don't know, just as some sort of, like, maybe they traded him because Alabama has now apparently picked up DJ Durkin, uh, baffling absolutely everyone. Um <laughs> and wait, did we get confirmation on this? Is DJ Durkin going to be an intern at Alabama? Or oh, you, I, I don't know. Title, I don't think, has been decided. Right now, he's in like some consultant, consultancy role or something. Um, very, very confusing. Uh, other than there was an article that talked about some of these coaches that Saban takes on, they all have the same agent as Saban, Jimmy Sexton. And so I don't know if there's some sort of relationship there or whatever, but. Uh, not a great PR move um, for you know everything that went down at Maryland and especially I mean even if you're just thinking like I don't know I don't know what DJ Durkin's going to add to your offensive analysis um, but hey yeah signing early signing period starts next week and so yeah let's hire a guy that really takes care of his player I mean it's just like it's, it's insane um, and yeah he just got let go i mean i i don't know it'll be interesting to see what they're uh, at maryland because of a firestorm there and kind of public outcry after he was reinstated somehow right. by the board of regents of maryland but it'll be i don't know i haven't seen i know that he's showed up in tuscaloosa but i don't know 
what uh, the response has been there or on the me- on, in media or whatever. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of unfolds. I would be extremely surprised if he had some sort of like real title or job other than something like intern if he does stay on the staff. But yeah, very interesting move that I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, I, uh, I I don't understand it. Um, Mike Loxley is also an interesting hire for Maryland because he had previously been <clears throat> elevated to interim coach for them. I think he was on staff there uh, yeah. and uh, their other coach. I don't even know what happened, fired, left, whatever. But he was elevated to interim coach. And then they decided not to hire him at Maryland. And they decided instead to hire DJ Durkin. So now, uh, after he goes off to Alabama, they're like, all right, yeah, all right, we'll take you now. Um, Even though our first choice was actually still DJ Durkin again. Um, So, uh, Maryland, I don't know what you're doing out there. Um, It's very curious. I I hope this move works out for you. Although, Mike Loxley does not have a great record as a head coach. I I think it's something like 3-23 and or something crazy like that. Um, So... Maybe he's learned something at Alabama. It sounds like Butch Jones is also going to be going with Butch him. Jones yeah. also yeah. At, at Maryland. Yeah, Mike Loxley decided to bring him along. Uh, good luck. Still no word on whether he's still going to be an intern, though. Okay. Okay. Well, one could hope. I don't know. Um, all right. Then we have Texas Tech. Moving on from Cliff Kingsbury and going with Utah State's coach, Matt Wells. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, of course, lands on his feet already at USC. Um, and Matt Wells had an incredible season there at Utah State. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's all of the, I think, big school coaching news I have. Do you have anything else? I do not. All right. Let's just talk about a few other coaches. Um, I, I think we owe it to our fans to uh, overreact a little bit here at the end. Um, we have four teams who were ranked in the preseason uh, top 25 and did terribly. Um, so I guess I just want to hear it from you, uh, going wow. back to something we did at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Should these coaches be fired? Okay. All right, we have Willie Taggart at FSU. They came into the season preseason ranked number 19. They finished the season not bowl eligible for the first time in 30 some odd years. Finished season five and seven. Willie Taggart, should he be fired? First year at FSU. Yes. Fire him. Fire him. All right. He can go work at Alabama too or maybe Maryland or something. I don't know. Um, All right. Then we have Miami, not of Ohio. Uh, I don't think. <laughs> That's actually how they're referred usually. You know. Sorry. Miami, not of Ohio. Um, all right. Preseason number eight. We really oh. thought the U was back last year. They finished the season. They are bowl eligible, uh, but they finished the season seven and five. So, Fire. Mark Fire Richt. Him. Fire. Fire him? Yeah, why not? I mean, what is he going to do? Nothing. He's going to do what he did at Georgia. He'll have a good season every now and then. He'll never win a championship. He'll be mediocre. That's not what Miami wants. Get rid of him. Yeah, that isn't what Miami wants, especially since they have their <clears throat> hotbed of recruiting. And it doesn't seem like anybody is doing particularly well right now. 
recruiting in Florida. So it seems like strike while the iron's hot. Uh, FSU and Florida both committed to new coaches. So Miami might have an opportunity here. But uh, I have heard no word. Then we have Auburn, preseason number nine, finishing seven and five as well. We got Gus Malzahn. He apparently, we, we've we've been told that they're keeping him on board and they just like freezed his assistant coaching budget, which is kind of like, um, <laughs> you ever heard of those like kids in like high school or something and they give each other like pre-engagement rings? <laughs> this seems like a pre-firing ring or something. They're like, all right, we're going to keep you on board for another year, but we're basically going to make sure that you're not successful. You cannot hire any new assistant <laughs> coaching staff. We want to see if you're the problem, and you <laughs> probably are. And you probably. Are. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really, uh, yeah, Auburn should fire Gus Malzahn. Yeah. Yeah. Goodbye. All right, and then we have Wisconsin preseason number four, and preseason national champion. Oh, uh, that was my call. Uh, I don't know. It was a lot of people. I think several I, I people. I definitely it. had them in the playoff. I think Lee Corso. Lee Corso's pick, Wisconsin. It was a bold <laughs> pick. And honestly, it did not seem like that bad of a pick because I think oh, they returned a lot. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, but they finished the season 7-5 and five unranked, yeah. uh, playing in the pinstripe bowl against Miami, who we just talked about. Uh, yeah. So... Football coach Paul Crest, should he be fired? Yes. Yeah, fire him. All right. I'm I'm glad that we just came around. I do want to offer another controversial potential firing, who we also talked about uh, at some point previously. Uh, Did not fall from the rankings, and in fact, uh, they were preseason number 14, and they finished number 7. This is Michigan. But Jim Harbaugh, 10-2, finishes the season, losses to Notre Dame and their rival, Ohio State. Should they fire him? Should they fire him? That's two rivals, really, Notre Dame and Ohio State. Here's what I'll say. Uh, You made an interesting point earlier when I talked about, you know, Harbaugh probably should be fired. You made the point, you know, well, maybe Urban goes and then, you know, maybe he stays. Uh, They probably should fire him because it's just what he's going to do. He's going to lose two rivals and never take you anywhere, but you'll have a decent season. He's the Mark Richter of the Big Ten. But... (laughs) The the fact that Urban's now gone, see what he can do against uh, Day, the new Day. Um, and if he has a good season next year and beats Ohio State, maybe you keep him around. But see, then I'm like, even as I say that, I'm like, but then you're just you're just like continuing this thing where he's not actually going to do anything. You know, you're like you fool yourself into thinking he's actually going to take you somewhere. He's just he's not. This is the year to do it, and it failed. So I would say get rid of him and bring in somebody else, but. Maybe you keep him for another year, see what he can do without uh, Urban, the obstacle that Urban Meyer is or was. All right. Well, that is our show for this week, Mark. Uh, we covered a lot of things. <clears throat> that was a good one. Um, that was so good. You know, we covered passer ratings and oh. uh, various schools in Ohio, and that's about it. <laughs> that's really um, all we did. That's, that's all we accomplished. Uh, so... We'll be back next week uh, to talk about the mid-bowl games. Uh, I think everybody should get out there and enjoy these early ones because 
Uh, bowl season just means that college football season is coming to a close, and, uh, and that's just sad. So, um, again, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, probably a bunch of other places. Uh, wherever you do find us, rate and review us. Uh, until next week, uh, I'm Jason. Over there is Mark. Uh, and we'll catch you later. Goodbye. Oh, shoot. I wasn't recording. Cool. <laughs> that would have been terrible. <laughs> it would have been terrible.